Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Woody Allen said, I don't mind dying. I just don't want to be around when it happens. At the close of most yoga classes, the teacher invites the students to lie on their backs in a state of deep repose and surrender. Eyes closed, palms of the hands facing up, integrating the benefits of the practice. This isn't just napping. It's a real yoga posture called shavasana, or corpse pose. Many of us joke that it's our favorite part of the class. But recently, we were practicing with a teacher who called Shavasana the most difficult pose of all. Its original intent was to give the yogi the opportunity to taste mortality. Ramana Maharshi, a modern South Indian guru, became enlightened while lying in Shavasana as a 16-year-old. He wrote, I lay with my limbs stretched out still as though rigor mortis had set in and imitated a corpse. I held my breath and kept my lips tightly closed so that no sound could escape. Well then, I said to myself, this body is dead. It will be carried to the burning ground and reduced to ashes. But with the death of the body, am I dead? I feel the full force of my personality and even the voice of I within me apart from it. So I am the spirit transcending the body. The body dies, but the spirit transcending it cannot be touched by death. That means I am deathless spirit. And this was not a dull thought, Ramana Maharshi says. It flashed through me vividly as living truths which I perceived directly without the process. It was something real, the only real thing about my present state. Fear of death vanished once and for all. We are frightened of death because we postpone it. Indian philosopher and teacher Jay Krishnamurti says, we cannot be frightened of the unknown because we do not know what the unknown is. Thought, which breeds the fear of death, says, let's postpone death, let's avoid it, keep it as far away as possible, let's not think about it. But we are thinking about it. When we say, I won't think about it, we have already thought out how to avoid it. Author Katie Butler has just brought out a book with the fabulous title, Knocking at Heaven's Door. The great majority of us say that we would like to die at home, she writes, but nationally, less than a quarter of us do. 
two-fifths die in hospitals and one-fifth of them die in intensive care. Why the disconnect? Why don't we die the way we want to die? Because life-saving techniques have erased the line between saving a life and prolonging dying. Because we say we want good deaths, but as Krishnamurti says, we act as if we won't die at all. Krishnamurti again. Most of us are frightened of dying because we don't know what it means to live. We don't know how to live, therefore we don't know how to die. As long as we are frightened of life, we shall be frightened of death. Kay Butler's subtitle to Knocking on Heaven's Door is The Path to a Better Way of Death. But it could just as well have been The Path to a Better Way of Life. On Tuesday morning, I pulled over while a long funeral cortege passed by on its way from a funeral to the cemetery. And I prayed, as I always do, for the family and friends of the deceased, for comfort and peace. And then I prayed to be touched with the urgency of what the sight of a hearse might awaken in us all. Instead of averting our eyes or avoiding all things funereal, what if we seize the opportunity to be reminded of the preciousness of life? Though I haven't yet verified it, I am told there is a tribe in Africa whose ceremonies include a rite of passage into adulthood in which each adolescent is presented with a burial shroud, their own. They wear their burial shroud over their left shoulder every day for the rest of their lives until they are wrapped in it at their deaths. The shroud serves no other purpose than to remind them to remember and honor their mortality, and so to honor and remember the precious gift of life. Joseph Campbell said that the real search is not for the meaning of life, but for the experience of being alive. What if we honored death with a healthy regard, grateful for its inspiration to cherish life and to live with grace and gratitude? To honor death is not to romanticize. To honor death is not to romanticize death. To honor death is to re-enchant life. In The Wheel of Life, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote, my dying patience taught me so much more than what, what it was like to be dying. They shared lessons about what they could have done and what they should have done and what they didn't do until it was too late, until they were too weak or too sick. They looked back on their lives and taught me all of the things that were really meaningful, not about dying, but about living. 
Bonnie Ware is an Australian palliative care nurse. Health, she writes, brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. Working with patients in their final 12 weeks of life, she began gathering insights and epiphanies in the face of death, recording them in a blog called Inspiration and Chai, and ultimately in a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Here are those regrets, a cautionary tale. Regret number one, the most common regret. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Regret number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Regret number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Bonnie Ware notes the cost of so-called keeping the peace and has come to believe that bitterness and resentment literally make some people sick. Regret number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Bonnie Ware saw many deep regrets about not giving friendship the time it deserves. Everyone, she says, misses their friends when they are dying. And regret number five, I wish that I had let myself be happier. Bonnie Ware writes, many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. Fear of change had them pretending to others and even to themselves, pretending that they were happy. Sitting in the hospital as he slowly came face to face with his mortality, author John Welshon's father said, I'm thinking how differently I would have lived my life if I'd realized this was going to happen someday. And when John asked him how he would have lived his life differently, he said, I would have done more things for other people. Do we really have to wait till we're dying to appreciate these insights? Could we adopt that perspective now, asking ourselves in the face of death, what does it mean to live a good life? Yaqui Indian teacher John Don Juan Matus said, change comes suddenly and so does death. What do you think you can do about it? I thought he was asking a rhetorical question, writes his American student, author Carlos Castaneda. But he made a gesture with his eyebrows, urging me to answer. To live as happily as possible, I said. Right. To live as happily as possible. But do you know anyone who lives happily? I do, Don Juan answered himself. There are some people who are very careful about the nature of their acts. Their happiness is to act with the full knowledge that they don't have time. Therefore, 
their acts have a peculiar power. Acts have power, he repeated. There is a strange consuming happiness in acting with the full knowledge that whatever one is doing may very well be one's last act on earth. I recommend that you reconsider your life and bring your acts into that light. Beloved spiritual companions, the real search is not for the meaning of life but for the experience of being alive. May we honor mortality with a healthy regard, grateful for its inspiration to cherish life and to live with grace and gratitude. Rather than come to the end filled with regret, let us ask ourselves now, today, in the face of death, what does it mean to live a good life? To honor death is not to romanticize death. To honor death is to re-enchant life. Let us re-enchant life.